I just think right now, women, especially in business, this is the year of women. I just know that. Life begins at 150 grand a year. Life gets better at 250, and life gets real good at 500. Nobody can tell me differently on it. When you start teaching something, I feel like that's when you start to master the actual art of it. You and I, when we publish a book, we can go toe-to-toe with any of the New York trade publishers, any of the big-time authors. We get to compete in that marketplace and then let the market decide whether our stuff is good. People forget sometimes as an entrepreneur, the whole damn point of entrepreneurship is to make money. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss. Heather Havenwood. Are you over 45, 60? Are you relying on the traditional medical field to help you feel great and get you back to a balanced body? Good luck with that. At E2Lab.com, Dr. Don Salio got sick of people complaining about bloating, inflammation, and feeling sluggish. He has created unique, potent, and powerful non-pharmaceutical supplements to help the body rebalance, detox, and get back to being healthy. Go to e2lab.com, getting you back to healthy and balanced. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. And look, here's the deal, guys. What I do here is I bring you some really awesome people that are out there in the world, U.S. and around the world, that are actually up to some really awesome things. Now, sometimes people... I agree with what they're doing. Sometimes I don't agree with them, whatever it is. But the point of the win is to have you be open-minded and listen to other entrepreneurs are out there doing a really amazing thing. So this is a person that I was interviewed first on his show and we had a great time. And so, of course, I invited him over, right? (laughs) Right, of course. And so I want to introduce you to Tayo. Tayo, you there? Yeah, Tayo is right here. Tayo Tayo (laughs) is right here. I love you. I mean, look, how many times people told you your name rocks? I, it does. I mean, literally, it says Tyroxin, so it, it goes on. It rocks. I'd love to say that mine's better, sexy boss, but yours is better. There you go. Nah, nah yours. Is, I love. I love yours as well. I mean, I'm just. Yeah. You know, I, I think you know the name you gave yourself is pretty pretty cool. I, I was just given this name, so I didn't. I don't have the the honor of saying I created a cool name. Right. You did. Oh, so. thank you, thank you. No, I appreciate that. You know, but that I heard. I heard of recently some people are uh, calling their people like. Uh, River and, and West. I'm not sure if I like that. Northern West calling people's names. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay, so everyone, this is Taya Roxon. I'm going to go ahead and go into who he is. He is a diversity and inclusion strategist. All right. So his work has been recognized in forums and many other publications. In addition to that, internationally recognized speaker who's presented at the United Nations Foundations and the World Bank. Hopefully they didn't take all your money. And in that spare time, he's a host of As Told by Nomads, which is the number one cross-cultural podcast in the world, BAM, and rocked number two business podcast by Entrepreneur. Wow. So who did you pay off to get those? Because that's, that's cool. I, no, I didn't. I mean, it, it was funny. When I made that entrepreneur list, um, I was going to bed and someone had sent me a Facebook message saying congratulations. And I was like, I didn't enter anything. And then they said, no, seriously, congratulations. Here's the link. You got something. So I, I, I don't know. I didn't. It was just an honor and humble, you know, and a humbling yeah. experience just to be recognized for anything. So no, yeah. I get that. I was just recognized um, by a writer on Huffington Post as the top fifty women to watch in two thousand seventeen. Now, what that did for me was, oh my god, I got to do something. <laughs> Congrats! That was well, good. Thank you. Good thank you. I didn't know about that either. But someone's like, hey, check this out. And but in my world, I'm like, because 
top 50 women entrepreneurs to watch in 2017, you know? And I think to myself, well, people are watching me now, and I got to do something. <laughs> so, <I'm- laughs> well, already, the good thing is you're already doing something. Already. You're a lot of it, so. I already am. But it does put you up there like, wow, I must keep that. Or it kind of puts a little pressure on yourself, you know? So here people sure. ca- calling you going, hey, check you out. You're like, whoa, I must be doing <laughs> something. Now I got to do more of it. That's the yeah, entrepreneur yeah. in you. Okay, so tell I me, mean, you have a website called tayoroxon.com. I'm going to spell that out for people. T-A-Y-O-R-O-C-K-S-O-N.com. So you go there, you check it out. So what, this, what do you do? Like, you know, you've got a great face. You're a pretty stud. But what do you do other than that? Look good. So... <laughs> What do I do? So I um, right now, a lot of what I do is I work with corporations and organizations and help them in, incorporate inclusive strategies into the bottom line. You know, my background is I'm a Nigerian and I grew up as the son of a diplomat. So inherently, I was always a walking contradiction. I was the minority everywhere I went, you know. So growing up like that, I sort of started developing in, in me this need to connect to people because I was constantly moving and I was like, how am I going to fit into these new environments? So I started building those skills as you know, as young as ten years old, and the older I got, it became in- interestingly, uh, interestingly and effective, ineffective for me to actually see how the world was increasingly globalized and digitalized, yet people weren't acting global and digital. So I was so frustrated by that, and I started um, interviewing people. I started mm-hmm. interviewing people and said, "Wait, why can't we fix this bridge? What is it that we can do to teach people how to do such a thing?" And, you know, it turned into a podcast and it turned into a very popular podcast that led to more speaking engagements. And then that sort of led me to consulting and people started asking me, hey, we're hiring, but we don't know how to retain young and diverse talent. Hey, we're going to new markets. How do we get, you know, our team ready for this culture nuances? Or, hey, we have a lot of unconscious bias here. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are things that we can do to work on in ourselves? So that we can make sure we don't let that impact any of our decisions. So you know, it became a lot of that, and then um, I built a business out of uh, you know helping people how to connect. Mainly uh, helping companies. Is what I hear, helping companies specifically. Well, companies and schools. I was just at a schools. middle school conference, and they, you know, it's a lot of schools need that as well because it starts very, very young. So can I say that what you do is you help companies and schools retain Cupcake Nation? I don't know about what, what is Cupcake Nation. It's the millennials. That's what I that call That is what game. you call cup, you Cupcake call them Nation. Cake. Yes. Okay. Now you All hate right. me. Click. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, cupcake yeah. Nation. What is Cupcake Nation? Anyway? Cupcake Generation. They're a Cupcake Nation. They're like, poor me. Uh, I want to uh, cry and hold hands. So, yeah, it's not something I gave them. It's actually somebody else, and then I took it on. It's called the Cupcake Nation. Okay, okay, fine. Um, Exactly. I'm interviewing you. You sit down. No, I'm kidding. Giving you a hard time. I'm giving you a hard time. But, yes, you do know that I'm like, ah, civil deals. They're whitey. But I get it. I mean, look, I do get it because, look, I'm in a small business. Everyone around me in my small business here locally in Austin, they're millennials, right? So I'm constantly in this conversation going, I don't get how y'all think. That makes zero sense to me, you know? And they're like, well, so I get it. It's definitely, I mean, I only have like three or three employees that there, I can't imagine an entire organization. They have to completely shift on how they do things. So I have a question for you because I just saw this big interview and I can't remember who it was. I'm super apologetic. It was um, a guy and he went, he did this whole thing about millennials. And he said one thing that i I was like, I don't want to agree with that. Okay, so I want to ask you if you agree with this this quote kind of, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember the exact quote, okay? But what he was saying was 
that the millennials in general come from a generation that they weren't taught certain things. Okay, whatever that was. And he went down this list. And then he said, it's the responsibility now of the companies to teach them that. I don't agree with that. I call that bad parenting. What What do you think? Now, I, I don't remember the list. Right. I, I, first of all, the guy that you're talking about is Simon Sinek. And I remember, uh, yeah, no, I mean, they said a lot of things that I agree with and a lot of things that, um, and I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. I do think, you know, I, I know I'm the sensing that you disagree. I think it's okay. No, companies need to, I think they need to change the way they, they you know, they uh, approach leadership. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the models, and I go into a lot of companies, people have outdated models of leadership. And the reality of the world today is that we have different styles of leadership. You know, when they were leading, there wasn't digital media the way it is today. So people need to know how to work with more mobile workforces. People need to know how to deal with people with different styles. And if, if you really want to succeed in the 21st century, whether you like it or not, as, as a leader, you're going to have to learn how to adapt to that. And that does fall on, 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 on the company. But I also think there's an onus on us as millennials to actually do the work to, to bridge that gap, too. Because, yes, some of the people that are hiring us are not, um, you know, they're not of the same generation, so they don't think the way we do. And some of the things might be confusing to them. So fixing that educational gap is something that we should work on. And, you know, basically saying, hey, this is why I think this way. But I understand that you may think from a different point of view. So let's come to a compromise, so you say. So I think it goes both ways. I wouldn't yes. go as blanket and say, like, it's a responsibility of the company. But I also know for a fact, after that video came out, a lot of companies took offense to that. They're saying, like, wait, 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 what do you mean? But at the end of the day, a company is about the people. So if you're hiring a bunch of millennials, you got to make sure the environment is inclusive for them. It's not like you're hiring baby boomers and Gen Xers at this point. Yeah. So a couple of things. So first of all, there's a couple of things with the statement that I can agree with that companies, it's their role to create leadership and to train their employees in their particular culture. But what I don't part agree with that, and look, we're having a debate here. It's all about fun. Is that I don't agree with that the company has to alter to appease the millennials. It's like, no, millennials appease to the company. Right. So there's there's got to be a give and take a little bit there. Right. Because what I hear and I look, my generation never got this much focus. We're Generation X. We didn't get all this crazy. Oh, we're different. We're unique. Please, companies, you got to change who you are for me. No, 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 no. We were taught this is how it goes. You need to step up. Right. So it's a very different generation. That's where I call the cupcake nation. Okay, so that's my own thing. But I, I wonder if there's, there's got to be a give and take around that. And I'm curious what you teach or teach, educate, you know, in your speaking to companies. Do you tell them you've got to change for them? Or do you say, hey, you know, how can we create a structure that's good for both of them? I'm just curious what your teachings are. None of that. Well, I'm a little bit, a lot like Simon said, but this is a thing I would disagree with before I go into that. Okay. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Are you a business owner that has a website but not tech savvy? Do you feel like a hostage to your web guy? The better question is, do you have a money funnel so people come to your page and give you money while you sleep? No? Then go watch free video at heathermakesyoumoney.com. Imagine having a money site, not a website, for your self-published book, e-commerce products, local practitioners like chiropractors or lawyers. 
Get a money site, not a website. Go watch free video at heathermakesyoumoney.com. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. We live in such a digitalized time right now that to say that companies don't have to adapt to change, they will be dinosaurs. <laughs> adapt to change, adapt to one generation. Very different. Yeah, but, but they are the largest generation in the workforce right now. And they're the ones that people are hiring to replace. So if you want to fill a workforce with a lot of these people from this generation, 1980 and above, I mean, I don't know how you would, you would not have to adapt. If you want. But there's a difference between, so there, I think there's just a wording here. There's a difference between changing with the times of what's happening in today's world and that things are altering and companies do have to change. But the thing that I think rubs for businesses is we yeah. have to alter for just this generation because they're special. It's like, look, times are changing. No matter what generation, things alter, right? Things are changing. Things are upgrading. Things are altering. No matter what, uh, things are just just moving. That's just with the times of life. But I think the part that's the rub, and I hear this from other business owners, is like, they're so special. It's like, no, it's just the timing. You know what I mean? We're all special and we're all different. And it's just a particular new generation, right? It's just, that's how, that's why, right? And I believe, look, I have cousins who are, I have cousins and I have a half brother and a half sister and all millennials. And I totally give them hell about this, okay? So you're not the only one. Welcome to the Oh, program. trust me. Look, I'm, I'm used to Yeah. But. I don't, yeah. I, but this is the thing. I don't know that you really think it's just millennials that get this treatment. You don't think every generation, the no. previous generation, never felt this about. No. Oh. Generation X never got, we never got conversations yeah, or had consultants to come out and go, well, let me tell you how to deal with the Generation X. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't exist. If I was a Generation X consultant back, you know, the 90s, I'd be like, we don't care. This is how we do things. They need to step up, <laughs> you know? So there was no, there wasn't that. Now, Generation X, just to know, and I know this, it's the smallest generation. I was born in 75. So, you know, I was created by a baby boomer, but the baby boomers had their most of their kids for the millennials. And that's why they're resurgent. So the baby boomers had you guys, right? So they had the millennials. So that's why there's so many of them. So I, and I understand that. But I grew up, right? So the 80s, I grew up with things like Atari. Don't even know what that is, you know? Yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, it's different. And I think the millennials are really, give them credit, they're the first generation that is in the workforce in our global history that grew up with technology. Now, yeah. I had it a little, you know, but I didn't have my first computer until like 85 or 89. You know what I mean? Um, I had dial up in 93. Woo woo. Right. So for my first email in 92, 93. So I, I think that they're really the first generation to be in the workforce that was grown up with technology. Yeah. No, I so to, yeah, to ask you a question, because you're right about some, uh, a lot of some of this. I, I love the fact that we always have a debate. <laughs> the, the, we always have a debate. Okay. So when I go into companies, a lot of the, mm -hmm. the question they have is how can we manage this workforce? Because okay, this is the most diverse generation. Right. So with the millennials, it's not just the work habits. It's the fact that a lot of them are mixed. A lot of them come they're They're, they're Mexicans. They're um, black. They're Africans. There are all these mixes in there. And some people don't know how to deal with a lot of this diversity that's in there, which is a funny thing to say in today's world. But it's still such a reality. And the way that a lot of these people grew up in is they grew up with so many different cultural backgrounds. So to put like one blanket type of company culture sometimes is a little tough 
for some people to just adopt to. And on the millennial side, we did grow up with technology, so it's a lot of instant gratification. And what I always talk to you about millennials is the fact that we as generation need to adapt to patience. We need to learn how to be patient. Because to your point about Gen X and baby boomers, there's that element of still the work, the work that you do, you know, takes time and you don't just get something when you say you want it. A lot of what I hear that I always disagree with, you know, is that one person goes to one extreme and says, millennials are entitled, lazy, and all that. And then the, on the other generation is, we're not going to adapt to, to your, your needs. You're going to have to do what you say. At that, at that point, there's no compromise. Because then what's sure. going to happen is it's just going to be like, oh, you think we're lazy anyway. Or you think we're a cupcake generation? <laughs> I and, just and love that because it pokes you guys. Like I got cupcake. It's like he. And then uh, awesome. on the other end, the millennials gonna be like, the boss doesn't even want to know what I want to do. He doesn't want to include me mm-hmm. in the decision. And I just think at the core of what we're trying to do uh, as a generation is to feel like we are making our voices being heard and we're making an impact. So even if the policies that I always recommend, or even if it's there at the bottom line, is they just want to know that something that they did made an impact up the chain doesn't have to be like okay great so love that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fight you in this one or debate you okay so i agree with you there is something with this particular generation that's about that making an impact yeah right okay and that's that's new right i think that's a new thing so my question to you is why i was around when they were growing up i don't remember what is that? Was do they watch too much of Friends or something? Like what was that? Like what, what was the like? They all grew up together with like we gotta make an impact. Was there a book they read in high school that like I missed? But what was that? Because I don't. Did they watch too much Oprah? Like I don't know what was that. You know that they have this thing that this common denominator crosses a generation. What what is that? So in your sense, in your generation, you didn't have like a, a sense of purpose. You didn't want to like. We were make to make money, make uh, money. We were wanting to make money <laughs> and have a life and have kids and retire and all that, right? You got to remember in our generation, and remember, you don't know, but in our generation, we were the, we were, I'm at the, I'm on the other side of baby boomers. I'm like the generation after baby boomers, so-ish, yeah. right? We're in this weird space. And we grew up in the 70s and 80s and the 80s was all about fun and drugs, right? So there you go. Um, but, you know, 90s, it was this phenomenon of like old school. I remember, look, I used to date this guy. No kidding. I swear to God, this is 1995. Dating a guy, we're engaged. He moves to, we moved to Houston together. I knew he was in the oil business, of course, right? I knew that. And he was going to work for a big oil company. I call him. He gives me this phone number. This is my work number, honey. I call the number. I swear to God. And they're like, hi, the so-and-so's office. And I'm like, yeah, can I talk to him? I'm like, why is she answering? Oh, that's my secretary. I go, you did not just call her your secretary. And I go, do you have a computer? He's like, no, I tell her what to do. She types in the computer. I'm like, what is this, like 1950? You know, so uh, things hadn't really changed. He didn't have an email address. This was like a huge oil company. I could say it. Y'all know it. And these guys didn't have emails because the secretary, they called them secretaries. No kidding. All the guys were in the office. and the wife. I mean, seriously, it was still like that. This is 1995. So it wasn't like that long ago. You know what I mean? It wasn't like... So I still grew up a little bit in that. And that's part of the challenge, right? Okay. I, was, I was told I had to fit in that, not change that. Yeah, that's kind of what well, happened. Okay, so this is this is it. So, so really my question, why do y'all have the purpose? I, like, I think it's great. I'm not dissing it, by the way. I'm just no, questioning uh, why. If you grow up in a generation where the digital platform makes the world flat, and now you can know what's happening in China, the click of a button, and just like you can know what's happening in Nigeria, and you have uh, such a generation where everybody is, is different and looks mixed in a diversity. 
there was this idea of finding your place. Now, if you're trying to find your place in such a world that's already defined what success looks like, what it, it looks like a, you know, a blonde, blue-eyed person for a particular career or a brunette for this type of person, people are trying to find their identity. And the process of trying to find identity in all these places, sometimes you come across the idea that there is real discrimination, there's this real place that doesn't have a platform for your voice. And out of that need to express yourself, you have a bunch of people saying, well, I, I want to be able to express myself, and I don't like that someone told me that I can't be that because I don't look this way. And that's just what it is. You know, you're, we're a generation looking to find our place and find our voices in a world that hasn't necessarily made it easy for people like, like us to, to fit in. And, you know, if you look at traditional media, it's not like it's always looked one type of, it's not like it's always looked like the world. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Have you ever wanted to stop swapping your time for money? Ever wanted to leverage your expertise by selling your knowledge to hundreds of people? I call that smart. And now you can easily and effortlessly, without a web guy, create memberships, online courses, coaching programs. Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash thinkific. Start making money off what you know today. Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash thinkific. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. And then you have people come up with now this news that just run it on, on, a, on a Facebook platform or you have people do their own silos because they're like, well, I'm just going to create my own thing because no one's covering my story. And I was just at a conference for, this is middle school, by the way, so this is Gen Zer. And this 13-year-old girl emailed me and she went to my website and she said, I signed up to your website because I, like you, had a conflict of identity. You know, I had a dandy crisis. I'm a Peruvian girl with mixed with Colombian parents. And, you know, this world is really scary for me because I, you know, in my school, I don't have any hero that looks like me. The government is telling me I can't do this. I'm worried about Black Lives Matter. I'm worried about Planned Parenthood. I'm worried about all. She was just, this is a 13 year old. I'm like, how do you know all these things? But it's that she started that young and she's saying, I'm constantly looking for a way to find my voice and find that way that I can make an impact. And it's just out of a need to, to feel appreciated, to feel like you're okay and you matter. And out of that, you create your own platform. And a bunch of people just gravitate towards that like, oh, yes, that looks like me too. I'm going to go there. And no one talks about that. And, and that's the generation that we, we live in. I know to you, you, you might not agree, but to a lot of us, we don't see ourselves <laughs> in a lot of these success stories. So we'll just create our own and create a following after that. Yeah, and I'm open to listening. I'm always open to learning. It's an interesting, I mean, it really is a question I've always had because I've heard it before. We really want to make a difference. I've heard it. That's important to us more than, more than money. You know, I've heard that I've heard these statements and through either, you know, it could be a Facebook or could be whatever comments, whatnot. But at first there's a piece of like, okay, I don't understand, but okay. All right. I don't understand. Well, well, then why, what, what is that? You know, where did that come from? Because even you talking, there was a huge diversity where I grew up. And I don't remember having a conversation with someone who was really different going, do you have an identity crisis? You know, (laughs) when they're 14, they'd be like, no, I live here. You know what I mean? So you make it sound like there's all of a sudden this diversity There's always for me, my world's always been a lot of diversity. Okay. There's always been diversity, but there's always been inclusion. What does inclusion look like to you? I don't know. I mean, it's it's an honest question, by the way. I don't know what that looks like. Inclusion is basically leveraging these diversities. Mm -hmm. 
into a more effective way. So the world is different. Everybody knows millions of people move from one part of the world to another part of the world for various reasons. But inclusion means are you safe enough to be yourself in, in, in this environment? You know, in the, in the workplace, it plays itself like if you act this way, do you become stereotyped negatively and say, oh, you're one of you're just like all these people, uh, uh, you know, black person or Hispanic person. So I'm not, I'm not going to hire you. It plays itself into unconscious bias when it comes to hiring decisions. It plays its role in casting in movies when you have people that are, are being casted, you know, for Egyptian movies that are white people or Asian, you know, like the just all these Asian movies that have all these different roles. People are like, wait, wait, that's not how I remember it. Or I just saw Hidden Figures. You know, it's an amazing movie about, you know, three African-American women. Who, that. Yeah, I was not taught in school, Heather. But that's my. That's true. That's true. I do say that. I agree. All inclusion, like you, you get fed all these stories at a young age, and you're like, "Oh, only heroes." And then you start to find out, like, wait, this happened at the same time that you know. That's just reality. And we are our generation. We're very curious, very conscious, and we'll do the history and we'll read. So when we read all these things, because the internet now makes it easy for you to access all the information, and you're like, you start to ask yourself this question: Wait, this happened? No one talked about it. I'm gonna talk about it. That's just what it is. Yeah. No, I yeah, I get that. I mean, I definitely watched that movie and I definitely thought, huh, I was never taught that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I appreciate you sharing. In the world of leadership, so when you're in front of a, either organization or a school, and I do want to ask you about the United Foundation that you're part of. I really want to go there. When you're in front of organizations, schools, or companies, and you talk about leadership, coming from a perspective of, of your generation, what do you talk about exactly? And what, what do you mean by the old model as different? Because Here's my pushback on that. I want to say this one thing to let you go is that I feel for me, human beings haven't changed that much. We haven't. Why we cry, why we're upset, why we hurt, why we buy. The human being behavior hasn't altered much. Our awareness has altered. We've created more awareness and our technology has altered completely. But the desires we have as human beings, sad, cry, happy, passionate, hopefulness, all these things haven't really altered. Yeah, we're still human beings. So in the world of leadership, what do you mean by that? It's changed. The old model doesn't work. What I'm saying, the old model doesn't work. If you look at Silicon Valley, it, it shouldn't make any sense why, you know, over 70% of the leadership looks like white males. That's not a representation of the current demographic. And that's not because there's a certain lack of talent with other, other dynamics. I mean, that's just, that's not how the world is. And what happens is people make the mistake of thinking, if we both start at the ground level area, and I'm Hispanic, you're black, and someone is white, that that means that we're all on equal footing. But that's not the case because the 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 further up you go, the food uh, the food chain, it thins down. So why is there that thinning down? That that's what I mean by old model. It, it's not an accurate representation. America itself is going to be a majority minority country in the next five to ten years, where you have Hispanics just as many white people, and you know, and different demographics. So. If the companies don't look like that, there's mm-hmm. something wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we have to fix. And that's an uncomfortable... I think that will fix over time. I mean, the millennials are still... It should fix now. Well, <laughs> it shouldn't be over time. It shouldn't be disproportionate. You okay, can't hold tell on me. A second, hold on. It's, it, that's, that's that now mentality. It, it takes time to move the leadership because they've been there longer than you guys. Well, Heather, that, that, that's, not, that's, not, that's not the now mentality. Because this is not our... We're talking about Silicon Valley here. We're talking about recent technologies. We're talking about people of 20s, 30s, 40s. We're not talking about 50, 60-year-olds. We're talking about the fact that there is still a system in place that makes it favorable. I know you don't like hearing this, 
we've had this discussion, but there's still a system in place that a lot of people are not comfortable admitting doesn't uh, proportionally affects equal, you know, different demographics. And those are grassroots things that we need to start addressing from the early, earlier. A couple things. I don't know why you disagree. I, I do agree on some level. I mean, look at the female leadership. Tell me mm-hmm. top women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so here's how I said, now this is my view, right? It's like before they get to ethnic, let's just go women mm-hmm. on the planet. Okay. So women, <laughs> just in general, we've been, you yeah. know, we've been here for a while too. So it's like, when do we get our time? And so a lot of that has to do, and I don't know the percentage, but at the, I've heard that the percentage between five and 10% of the business ownership in America today is, is female owned. I don't know how right that is. That's what I heard. Can't say that's correct or not. But I do know that it's it's very low. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. then we start going to an ethnic conversation, right? Then it's even lower. We do know that. I think it's, you know, male, then women, then ethnic. And I could be wrong. I'm kind of guessing on that particularly. It could be actually not that. I do agree with you. Silicon Valley is a potentially could they have a they have an opportunity. What I hear is what you're saying is they have an opportunity to lead yeah. the world in leadership. They have mm-hmm. an opportunity. They're not stepping up to that. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And I'm, I'm when I'm saying diversity and inclusion, it's it's it definitely it's a huge thing with with women. I mean, it's a huge yeah. thing with eth- ethnicity. It's a huge thing with people from different backgrounds. It's a huge thing with immigrants. This is why you know a lot of people have issues with different governments. The, the thing that people, a lot of people don't see, for example, someone like me that, that came from a foreign country is there are many other things that I, you know, I would, you know, you would go through because you would, you would not just look at diversity from your race. You look at diversity from your, your status as a, as an immigrant or as a visa. And just there are many policies that affect you that might not be said in the mainstream. So those things, if they are infringed upon or they're made to work harder, you, you're like, wait, wait, does that mean that I'm less of a person? I think we live in a very patriarchal world that, that doesn't seem to reward women as much as they should be when women have the hardest job as being, you know, especially moms, they have the hardest job as being the original CEO. You know, I was raised by the strongest woman I know and, and having to see what she had to go through and, and have people in the world say that, you know, the only successful people are, you know, men that look like this, that, that to me is not an accurate representation. So what I'm fighting for is you know that social justice element where but there's equality and diversity accurately represented and also the right stories being told so that it's okay for anyone to say my hero is her my hero is him my hero is that but that's what i mean by old model that, that that's not how the world has been i know we all think we haven't really changed in how we thought but we've done something wrong where we don't have as many women or as many minorities being represented because it's not that they don't do anything it's just that they're not represented or told yeah, about. Not, well, yeah, absolutely. And there's a difference between how people buy and, and think and feel, right? That hasn't altered on storytelling and how we learn. And that's, that's my argument with that. We have diversified in, in women um, and as, as well as in all different cultures, right? Is available to us to be able to grow and what I call pull people up, right? Now, yeah. what I do here, and I, I can see where you're coming from on the Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is a leading edge on the world stage, it's a world stage and people look at Silicon Valley from a world stage and they do have an opportunity to be on the cutting edge of not only technology, but also on culture diversity and leadership. Yeah. They do have that. They do have that. I'm not sure they're, sure. maybe they are aware of it. I have no idea. Uh, I think that's what I hear is your, I'm going to use the word fight or stand for is to help them be aware that they have an opportunity to be on the cutting edge of culture diversity. 
No, I, no, they are. They are aware. I mean, they're they're constant reports that are being, and to their to their end, they're they've made efforts to you know to highlight some of these things. But I think the first step is people just being aware, and then people actually saying, "Okay, this is true. I acknowledge that as a problem. Let's do something about that." Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Our whole world revolves around our smartphones now. You know they say we look at our phones on an average of 150 times a day or more. Look, if you're a small business and want to grow, you need to reach people where they're looking the most. They're smartphones. So text the word START to 72000 now to learn more from our friends at Mobit or go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash Mobit. Again, text the word START to 72000 now. Be the boss of your life. You're listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. I noticed sometimes though there's a lot of pushback where some people get, this is a trigger words that I've noticed when I'm talking to people from different races. They hate the word privilege, you know, like if you say white privilege, or like you're, you know, you not saying any silence is violence. They're like, wait, why? So I can't, I have to say something? Or they hate the fact that um, to them, you know, they have, they can count their black or Hispanic friends, all of a sudden that means that they're racist. So people think you're attacking them and calling them racist. And the counter to that is, is no one is saying you're racist, but the fact that you. You're not, but there is people saying. No, that. yeah, yeah, but but that but that see, but this is this is what we always say, right? So if someone says you're racist, but that doesn't mean that the problem isn't there and we shouldn't do anything about it. Is is it at that point that we get to the point where you're offended by that, that you will now not do anything about it, or you would work to fix that to say, okay, I'm not, and I I hate that you think like that I am, but at the same time I recognize that there's a problem and we must do something about it because you know. I don't think you're racist, for example, and I'm sure you've probably gotten that. But if someone calls you racist, that doesn't make the problem go away all of a sudden. It's just, you know, it's still there. We shouldn't, like, shut down. No, of course not. I mean, of course not. But in, And I've never been called a racist. I just hear, I mean, per, like, personally, I haven't been called that. I'll be the first if uh, <laughs> someone has, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe someone has. <laughs> I don't go out of my way to not do that. But there is a piece of the, I would say the, the white culture that every time there's an argument, right, or a disagreement with anyone that's not white, it, it's almost like don't want to do that because there's a fear of, to being called racist. So we're always in this fear of versus like, no, I want to be, why can I not have an argument or a debate with you, right? I'm white, you're black. Okay, we're having a debate. Does it mean just because I have a view, it means I'm racist, just means I have a different view. It's just a debate. Right. Mm-hmm. I like debate. Debate's good. Debate's fun. Doesn't have to go into fighting. Doesn't have to go into name calling. It's just a debate and a conversation to bring awareness. That's what a debate is designed for. Right. So I think a lot of the, now I can say from a view of 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 person who is, you know, Caucasian or white is that there is a fear of like ever having a debate or ever speaking up because mm-hmm. there's a fear of say, being called a racist. Right. So they just kind of shut down. Because yeah. it's like, well, I don't want to go there because I might be called that thing called racism. And then then I feel like I have to defend. And if I'm in defensive mode of like, I'm not a racist, it sounds like I'm a racist because I'm defending it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, but I do like, your, I like your answer. Like, look, I'm not, I'm sorry, you think that way. And like, maybe there's a, something to be said here. Talk about what, what's going on. What's the real problem? You know, yeah. that education piece. 
So do you, are you, are you in universities a lot? Are you in current universities? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm in universities. And I, you know, in my favorite conversations are, are the ones that we had on, on my podcast and this, because a lot of minorities, a lot of, you know, women, and they know what the problem is. They experience it every day. This is a day-to-day thing. This is more of a getting other, you know, people, a lot of, actually, it's a lot of white people who might have sheltered themselves because of what you said, right? But the idea of being called a racist is such a, if you, someone calls you racist, that's a very, very heavy accusation. So, some pe- yeah, so some people just don't, you know, they hate being called that. But my always argument to that is we've lived such a politically correct environment that the problem that we have right now is because people haven't been saying all these things they've thought, or people haven't had the conversation enough to say, okay, thank you for educating me on that. I always thought this growing up. This is how I was always feeling. But now that I voice it out, and you didn't lash out on my my person. You just lashed out on my argument. I can now be educated on that, and I don't. I think that takes away such a great opportunity to be educated because there's so many stereotypes and positions that need to be corrected, but people don't have those conversations because we don't have enough open environments to create these dialogues. So at universities, when you're asking, those are the type of environments that I create where you have someone from a completely different background coming in to say. You know, I've had people say, you know, I think, you know, a lot of black teenagers, uh, women are just predispositioned to violence and they always fight. And it's because of what they saw on worldstar.com. But that, but, but that's, that, these are real, this was not, no one was judging anyone here, wow. but this is how they're talking. But these, these things were just shared by a lot of people. And I'm like, and I asked them, do you see how dangerous it is if you start keeping that in and you grow up and you become the one to hire people? You just subconsciously are not going to be the one that's going to hire them because you've already thought this. But they've never had the opportunity to express that. And on the other end, there's a lot of anger, right? Because they've been like, I think people make the mistake of thinking, you oh, you had a black president, everything is okay. But having a black president doesn't erase anything. It just means there's a lot more work to be done. People forget that it was just 50 years ago that Jim Crow laws literally said, there's basically color bathrooms and white bathrooms. And, and, and those systems in place had people in different backgrounds going to less edu- less schools there, had less funds, and, and they didn't have access to the same jobs. Yes, okay, I get that. Yeah. However, I will say... Yeah, I, I, know, I know you get I'm, I'm not talking to you. I'm not saying like you per se. Like move forward. You know, why yeah. keep bringing in the... God, if that was 50 years ago, thank God it was 50 years ago. It wasn't 20 years ago. It's, let's make it 60 years, you know? It's so, a generation. It's not, it's not gone away. It's starting the conversation. It's more and more going to the future. You've got to create a new possibility and create a new future if you're going to let go of the past. You got to be open to change on both sides of the aisle, as they call it. In politics. <laughs> no, but, the, but Heather, do you see how that if you have someone that grew up in there and then, and then they raise someone else, they're still poor because the cycle is still there. So it's not like, yeah, it's not like, it's, this is just like, we have people old enough to tell you about those times. It's not like that happened. Of course. Of yeah. Course. So there's, it's not, they don't have all of a sudden the but resource. World War II is not here anymore either. We're not going to keep bringing up World War II. Uh, we, it's so, I don't know how to explain this, so, but. I understand. <laughs> Look, I have a question for you. Let's stop there. I really have a question for you on something else. Okay. It's turning to yeah. So Berkeley, I'm really curious what you thought about what happened with Recently, I think it was like a week ago, Berkeley and Milo was there and the big breakout. What do you, what do you think about that? Because you're in that world every day. I'm not. I have probably not touched a campus in like years unless I drive through University of Texas on accident. What do you think of that? Was that something that you were surprised that Berkeley, the students were so uh, destructive to their own campus? Did you find that surprising or like, oh, of course. Or what would you think? 
Oh, nothing surprises me anymore. I've, I haven't been, I mean, the election didn't, I mean, once the election, I'm not surprised by anything. I think people are angry right now, and a lot of people don't know how to channel it. It's coming out in all forms. It's coming out in social media rants. It's coming out in vandalization. It's coming out in rallies. It's coming out, I, I'm just, here's- So are you saying you condone that kind of behavior from a student perspective, if you are a consultant no, 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 for no. them? I'm not, no, no, I've said I'm not surprised by any form of action taken care. I, I, my form of, of education is always to create environments that are open dialogue. You know, I've never, you know, been a, uh, a proponent or supporter of violent behavior. But my, my response was saying I'm not surprised by that because I've seen it on both sides. I, I, I went to Minnesota to speak at uh, the University of St. Paul the day after Trump won. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say the word here, but the N-word was sprayed on campus and it was all over campus. And all of a sudden people were like saying, yeah, I'm, it, I've seen it on both sides and people mm -hmm. were doing that. So I'm not a condolent, I, I don't condone any of that. I'm just saying I'm not surprised by that. I think what we need to do with our anger is challenge it to, towards meaningful discussions. You and I, this is the second meaningful discussion we've had where it was interesting to me, the response that you had on my show when, when I asked you who you, you looked up to at the moment, you paused and you, you you made a joke. It was a joke. I know. So you didn't actually think I was going to hang up. But you're like, oh, I'm sure you're going to hang up now and lose that. But that's that's a way we now think because we get defensive initially first because like, oh, if I say this, someone else is going to think something. And then, you know, but we have to get past that. Sensitive to. Yeah. Because I've been called all kinds of names because I'm a Trump supporter. And I think it's ridiculous. But, you know, I'm clear about that. Some people really don't like it. If someone says to me they're a Hillary supporter, I'm like, okay. You know what I mean? I don't have this, like, trigger of, like, Rah! you know, even this is before the election. I just go, okay, well, that's your view. I don't I don't have that trigger, but I'm also aware other people may or may not, and I don't know. There's kind of this edge, you know, but I'm curious on the Berkeley thing, because the reason I'm asking a little more in the question is you are in that environment yeah. week in, week out at least. All right. That's more than me. So yeah. are you finding that that kind of behavior is all across the country currently on university or was that an isolated incident? I, I wouldn't say it's, I, I mean, it's happening, you know, in a few colleges. I don't think it's the majority of the campuses. I don't think, I wouldn't say it's the majority. I would say it's, it's happening. Why do the, the current generation that's sitting in college right now, why do they feel that is appropriate on some level? I can't imagine that happening. This is a current generation thing. This is not like, this, okay, this is one that I would, are you, okay, let me ask this question. Are you saying this is a millennial thing? The anger. The because it's not a millennial thing. I've seen rallies and stuff from generations before. Yeah, yeah, that's always, of course. It's always been rallies and universities designed for that, the free speech. Yeah. But the destruction piece, the, the destruction piece is the piece that I think has gone like, whoa, there's, Having, there's having a voice and First Amendment and having marches and all that and really getting your voice out. And then there's like destroying your own property. That's where I'm like, what? But then again, that's not this, it's not just this generation. I think people were looting in the 60s and breaking and vandalizing campuses, or 50s, 40s. I mean, even when America was responded. I mean, so your so, response to that is get, to get defensive and say other people have done it. <laughs> No, that's not defensive. I, when I I'm was saying, in college, that didn't happen. In the 90s? No, no, no. See, I, my only response to that is that this is not a millennial type of thing. And I think that over generations over generations, people have reacted out of anger to things that they didn't like from the government or from certain policies this way. So this is more of a human question 
and a psychology question. I, you know, the fact that people think vandalizing their own property is a good thing is not something that I would say that I'm necessarily qualified to answer. I would say, okay. if you look at all, I don't know why a lot of people have yeah. done that. My way of thinking is not. I'm more of a guy that educates and and it's seeks to to right have now. the uncomfortable discussion and say I'm going to go into like I'm not a Trump supporter. Everybody knows that, but I'm going to go into an environment and 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 have the conversation come out alive, and we will both have a conversation. I'm not going to piece. I'm going to wrap up with this because we're going to go. But that was a piece that that's frustrating for me. So like what you just said, you're willing to have those conversations. You're willing to go out there, speak on your platform and had this conversation, which I absolutely love. And I completely think you should. Okay. That's what Milo was doing. And he got shut down. He wasn't even allowed to have that conversation and like him or not agree with him or not. That's not the point. The point is he wasn't allowed to even have the conversation or even allowed to have the discussion or even allowed to open people's minds or close them down, whatever. That's where I disagree with that whole Berkeley thing. It's like, if you want to have the riot because you don't like what something he said, that's you're right. But when you shut down somebody and you haven't even heard them yet, I think that is that's a breakdown. That's a breakdown. And then there's no freedom to actually have the discussion. They're shutting down the conversation before it starts. Uh, no, I get you. I get, I get what you're saying. I, you know, I think with Milo's case, a lot of what he said is incited violence. And I think an education system is probably thinking... I don't want that on my campus. If you look at other places that Milo's been on both ends, whether it's the alt-right or the, or the other or the, or the anti-alt-right, they've been out there on campus just spewing this hatred. He, what he, look at what he did to the, the Saturday Night Life um, um, lady. Yeah. All-out all attack. I mean, that is not justified on any level. Whether you're creating an open environment, that's just bullying. <laughs> I mean... I can see how, and first of all, it's a dean that will make that decision. It's not a millennial. I can see how they would say, okay, we don't want that on my campus because you're going to just create this divisive environment that I don't want to have on my campus. I mean, on that end, I can see that. That that to me moves beyond a freedom of speech thing where it's a pattern of behavior. You know, but that's just my opinion. That's just yeah. my opinion. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, that's what we're, we're just having a conversation. <laughs> um, okay, great. Well, I'm going to wrap it up. Where can people find you and um, opt in? and email you <laughs> where can they find you they can find me on tyroxin.com it's t-a-y-o-r-o-c-k-s-o-n.com and i'm at tyroxin on all social media platforms awesome okay always a great discussion with you it's like fiery <laughs> but, well thank you for having me on um I, I know i agree i say the same thing about you so it's you know this this fire and i'm always ready so yeah you're great and it's and i thank you for having the debate some people thinking you guys are fighting. We're not fighting. It's a debate. By the way, I love debate. And I love the fact that I could, I could do that with you. It's like a little bit like a sparring. So I absolutely love that. So, all right, everyone, this is Heather Havenwood with The Win. You can check us out at heatherhavenwood.com, you know, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, all kinds of great places. Go check us out. See you soon. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook when you text the word sexy to 72000. 
Again, text the word SEXY, that is S-E-X-Y, to 72000 and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. This is a sexy boss rap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.